You are tuned into the Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. On this episode of the Dr. Tina Show, I'm sitting down with my new friend, Dr. Anthony Yoon. You may know him better as Dr. Tony Yoon, America's holistic plastic surgeon with his millions of followers across multiple platforms. He's been voted the best plastic surgeon by US News and World Report and by Harper's Bazaar. He's the author of The Age Fix, but today he's come on the show to discuss his new book, Younger for Life. I've been a big fan of Dr. Tony Yoon's for years now, and while I've only heard the stories of how incredibly kind, smart, and funny this man is, after today's episode, I absolutely can confirm it. Beauty really is an inside job. From how you eat to how you exercise and ultimately how you live your life, your skin reflects all of it. Auto rejuvenation is best done before Dr. Yoon ever operates on a patient. When someone asks me how I keep my skin looking so nice, I always tell them the same thing. It's all clean living. That's what this episode is all about today. Plus, Dr. Yoon tells me my best interventional options moving forward to keep the saggy skin at bay. It was an absolute pleasure to have him on the show. And without further ado, let's jump in. You've likely heard that certain supplements are nature's ozempic. And while that's not entirely true, there are certain molecules that do help turn on our own natural endogenous production of GLP-1. The supplement that I prefer due to its multiple beneficial actions and supported by lots of data is sodium butyrate. Butyrate can impact the hormone GLP-1 by altering the behavior of certain cells in our gut that naturally produce GLP-1. Butyrate doesn't directly communicate with GLP-1, but it does change how these cells operate. Think of butyrate like a switch that can turn on or off the production of GLP-1 by affecting the genes and elements inside these cells. Sodium butyrate also supports healthy blood sugar regulation and metabolic health by promoting balanced insulin sensitivity and optimizing the body's utilization of glucose. And my favorite brand of sodium butyrate is by BodyBio. Right now, you can save 20% off when you head to bodybio.com and use the code DRTINA20 at checkout. That's bodybio.com and code DRTYNA20 at checkout. Hey guys, I've been using an incredible supplement for brain support and I wanted to share. Rise by Cured Nutrition is a nootropic blend of functional mushrooms, adaptogens, and cannabinoids that will leave your brain firing on all cylinders. It contains a blend of lion's mane, cordyceps mushrooms, rhodiola, ginseng, and broad spectrum CBD. Let me just tell you, I've been using all of these herbs and ingredients for a long time and I love them all. So to have them all in one place is incredible. I initially started taking Rise by Cured Nutrition because perimenopause brain is real and after reading over the label, I was sold. Rise by Cured also contains broad spectrum CBD, which aids in balancing the supplement as many of these nootropic focus supplements can be a bit overstimulating. So including the CBD in there helps avoid this. Right now, Cured is extending an exclusive offer to you, my listeners of the Dr. Tina Show. You can grab Rise for 20% off by visiting www.curednutrition.com forward slash Dr. Tina and using coupon code Dr. Tina at checkout. That's C-U-R-E-D nutrition.com forward slash Dr. Tina and coupon code Dr. Tina to save 20%. Dr. Tony Yoon, I'm so excited to have you on the Dr. Tina show today. I have been a big fan Truly, wow. for years and years. And oh, thank you. I have not got to connect with you, but you recently sent me your upcoming book, Younger for Life. And I'm, I read through it. I love it. I'm very excited oh, to have you on you. the Dr. Tina show. Well, I am so excited to be on. I too have been following you for a long time. And I don't know how our paths haven't technically crossed because we have a lot of common friends and everything. 
I know, I know. We we are part of we kind of run in some of the same crowds and I always yeah. see you everywhere, but I haven't I don't know, I just never yeah. got to talk to you. So here we are. Well, <laughs> well, this is a real honor and a privilege. So I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Well, I've got to tell you, your TikTok and your YouTube bring me so much joy. You oh. have <laughs> You have a ridiculously huge following, but you're so freaking funny and oh, thank just you. genuine and great. And you give really valuable information. So I, I don't know. I just love the heck out of it. And I'm... Oh, thank you. Yeah. Excited to have you on today. So we're going to talk about the book because off air, we were chatting about um, you're a plastic surgeon, you're a holistic plastic surgeon. I admittedly, mm-hmm. when I first heard about you, I was like, how is somebody a holistic plastic surgeon? So can you talk about that a little bit? Because I think it ties into the book really nicely. Yeah. So I went through all traditional medical training. So I'm an MD. uh, I did three years of general surgery residency. I did two years of plastics. And then I did a year of a fellowship out in Beverly Hills with the top name Beverly Hills Plastic Surgeon. And then I moved to Michigan. I started my own practice. And I was about 10, 12 years into practice. And I thought that I had honestly reached the pinnacle of success. You know, when we look at surgery, we have this um, saying during our training, to, to cut is to cure, or the only way to heal is with uh, raw steel, essentially. And this is this idea of a cut first mentality. And, you know, in plastic surgery, I used to gauge my success, honestly, and how many facelifts I had on my schedule. Because patients will choose sometimes almost anybody to do their lipo, but if they're choosing you to do your facelift, their facelift, then you have reached the, the top of your of your field. And so for many years, that's kind of how I like looked at success was how many facelifts did I have on the schedule. And then I had a patient who had a horrible, horrible complication after a facelift operation. And it absolutely sent me completely reeling. And it got me to a point where I even questioned whether I should quit medicine altogether. It made me wonder, like, am I doing the right thing for my patients when horrible things can happen? Now, it wasn't anything that I did or I could have changed or done anything. Just sometimes you go to surgery and bad things happen no matter how good your doctor is or or how great your health is. And so it made me realize as I kind of hit rock bottom in my practice and I almost quit medicine altogether, that everything I was taught as far as the goal of being a surgeon is wrong. I was always taught that the goal of surgery is of, of being a surgeon is to bring people to surgery. And I realized that, that my goal should be the exact opposite. It should be, how do I keep people out of surgery, yet still help them feel and look their best? And that got me into looking into the works of a lot of our alternative medicine friends and practitioners. I started learning about all these different things that I was not taught in medical school or residency, like nutrition, like about clean skincare, like about all these um, lifestyle modifications and changes that you can make that can really turn back the clock naturally. And that became the basis of my new book, Younger for Life. I love it. It's so true. What we were saying off the air that I was sharing is I always know something's wrong with my health when I start to look, things just start looking off. And it might be pore size, it might be um, puff, it might be hollowness, it might be discoloration. But if I have to put makeup on to go out, something is wrong with my health. And I realize I'm aging, but I have always used my skin as I know our mutual friend, Dr. Trevor Kate, she says, you know, your skin is your mirror to your internal yeah. health. And it's so true. It's, and that's where I, I love that, that combination of surgery, you know, giving the patient what they need and want, but also I'm sure 
by you helping them improve their health overall, it probably makes huge differences in your outcomes, um, patient selection. I'm sure all of that plays in. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because we have a lot of uh, colleagues who are in alternative medicine. And if you were to ask them, what can I do to have beautiful, healthy, vibrant skin? They're going to say, heal your gut because there's a gut skin access. Heal your gut and your skin will be beautiful. If you ask a dermatologist, what do I do to get my skin looking young and healthy and youthful? They'll say use sunscreen and use a retinoid. If you ask a plastic surgeon, they'll say do Botox and get a facelift. And really the truth is a true, I think, integrative approach is gonna be your best option, your best bet to really looking and feeling your best is that kind of inside outside combination. And, and as a plastic surgeon, I am fully committed to using plastic surgery only as a last resort, you know, because I do know being realistic, you know, some people say nobody should have plastic surgery, you know, it's vain, you shouldn't do it. And the fact remains is that, yes, if somebody asks me, what's the worst thing that can happen if I go into the knife, I'll say you can die. But there are situations, you know, but that's extremely, extremely unlikely. And there are many situations where really your only option is surgery. So, you know, I see women who've had four children, they've got skin hanging from their tummy, they've got rashes and infections underneath that. You know, there's no cream you're going to put on to make that skin go away. You know, there's no food you can eat to do that or supplements. Really, in some cases, all you have is surgery. But nowadays, there's so many options that we have that can take the place of surgery, you know, that maybe we would have gone to surgery 10 or 15 years ago. Now we don't have to, and we can do other things instead. Well, and also, I have no issue with vanity. I mean, whatever somebody wants to do or not do with their body is their business, and it's not my business. And one of the things I was talking with my husband the other night was the extremely large amount of women in the like influencer health field that are online who have breast implants. Yeah. I think breast implants are bonkers, but that's just me because I pulled a set of breast implants out of my cadaver in chiropractic college and they were black and disgusting. And I was like, that's not a good idea. <laughs> Let's not do that. But I'm sure that, you know, and then now there's the breast implant illness is finally coming out, but I'm sure there's shades in the middle. Everything's so polarized and so extreme online, you know, and everybody, oh my gosh, this is terrible. And they're purists about everything. I'm right in the middle. I'm like, let's use all the tools we got, do whatever you want. I don't care if somebody has breast implants or not. I don't care if somebody wants to get a facelift or not. I will say though, as somebody who did regenerative medicine for over a decade plus, and I know you know this, Tissue integrity is everything. And when people eat poorly, their hormones are jacked up, their gut's inflamed, they're not in good health, their tissue integrity is garbage. And it's friable and it falls apart. It just, things don't heal. Like they don't have any turgor in their tissues. And I'm sure it's got to translate to their face and other parts of their body, right? Like, Yeah, and it's, and it's true. You know, when I first started my practice for many years, actually, I people would ask me, okay, I'm going to have surgery. What should I do? Should I take any supplements? Should I eat something? And I honestly didn't know, but I didn't want to tell patients I didn't know. So I just said, go off all your supplements, you know, don't smoke. And like, that's all they really taught us. Now, all my patients, I put on a pre and post-op supplement protocol. We make sure they get enough protein. We get them anti-inflammatories and we put them on different supplements because we know that this can actually make a big difference. But the problem with traditional medicine is that we're not taught anything about nutrition and especially supplements. There's so many doctors who are anti-supplements and there's so much good that taking supplements can do. And so, yeah, I mean, I 100% agree with you. I think that the true, pro, uh, the best approach is the true integrative approach to this. The interesting thing too, and you mentioned vanity, 
you know, vanity actually can be a good thing in some situations. You know, I get patients who come to see me and I instruct them like, look, you need to make these lifestyle changes. You got to get off smoking. You got to change your diet. You know, you got to get more active. And they're like, no, I go, well, you could get emphysema. You could have a heart attack. No, no. I go, well, your skin can sag and you can get wrinkles prematurely. <laughs> they go, oh, wait a minute here. Well, if that's the case, then let me make some changes. Yep. So, you know, it's, it's speaking to people where they are and finding out what their motivations are. And if we can help them become healthier by, you know, appealing to those motivations that may be different for some people than others, then that's, then that's a service that we're doing. I totally agree. And Again, like who cares if somebody wants to get all the work done in the world? I mean, obviously, we don't want to give into people's pathology where they overdo it. But yeah, if somebody wants to look younger and they want to have some surgical procedures done, I mean, shoot, I have been there. I've been using Botox since I was in my early 30s preventatively. I'm all for it. <laughs> I have no problem. And many of my followers get bent sideways when I talk about it. And they're they're like, I can't believe you're promoting big pharma. And I'm like, yo, I'm fine with it. And there's actually really great data. This ties into what we're saying. There's great data that I've seen over the years and more and more has come out over the years that when people actually get their glabella injected and they're not, or even their frontalis, and they're not looking at such a grumpy face in the mirror, significant changes happen in their mood and their affect. And they've taken- Isn't that interesting? Yeah, people who are severely depressed have, you know, had really, really profound benefits. I actually think, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I really think that the way the musculature moves feeds, so the actual contraction of certain muscles in our body, I believe feeds back into our brain to evoke an emotion. And so totally. if, you, if you can't be scrunched, it's not just how you look in the mirror. If you can't be scrunching them and contracting them, you're not going to get that negative emotion. And I don't know. Well, that, I'm, all, I'm all for the, the goodies. And that has actually been proven. You know, oh, it's, okay. it's been proven that if you are in a bad mood and you smile, even though you don't feel like it, if you smile, then that actually has been proven to improve your mood. It's the same thing. You know, there are studies, just like you said, where people get Botox and there's less amount of depression and emotional, emotional labileness. They don't really know why. I think it's exactly what you're saying. It's not that Botox does something to your brain. It basically is just, it doesn't allow you in some ways to make those facial expressions that are negative and that give you that negative feeling. And so, yeah, for your followers who are listening to this, if you're having a bad day, just try a little experiment, you know, just try smiling, force that smile, try smiling and see if that may help you feel just a little bit better. And I bet you it will. That's what the studies do appear to support. I'm with you. We're Gen X though. We smile at people and <laughs> people don't smile back anymore. It's very weird. I grew up smiling at everybody I walked down or walked past on the street. And it's, it's like a dying, it's dying with our generation, Tony. <laughs> Well, I think part of it is that we're not, we're walking down the street, we're not necessarily looking at our phones the whole time. Like it's just a different time, you know? Yeah. And uh, and I miss some of those those times. But then whenever I talk to my kids who are teenagers about it, they roll their eyes. They're like, oh yeah, a long time. I mean, you know, the crazy thing, Tina, is that, you know, for us, we're in 2023, when this comes out, maybe 2024. And we look at, you know, we grew up in the 80s and we think, okay, you know, what are the 80s to today? That's like 40 years ago. I know. For us, like the, the 80s to the kids are like, the 40s to us. And you can imagine how long ago that, that seemed to us when we were back there in the 80s thinking like, geez, oh that gosh. like was right after World War II was over. That's crazy. I never thought of it that way. That's wild. Yeah, it's, yeah we're as far away from the 80s as, as you know, the 1940s were to us when we grew up. So it's, oh. 
That's why yeah. I got, I've got, I've got goosebumps from that. I've, I've indoctrinated my daughter into all my eighties music. So she, when she's blasting tears for fears and Depeche Mode and all these bands with her friends, her friends are like, what are we listening to? <laughs> what the is kids this? Actually, they like the eighties stuff nowadays. That's good. I mean, it's it's, good it's different. Like we would have, yeah, we have never been like, Hey, let's all hang out and listen to forties music. <laughs> but Hey, the eighties are still cool. I, I mean, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you and I are young at heart. That's probably yes. another big one. You know, I think if you're young at heart, I I always, my husband is age appropriate, but up until him, most of the men I dated were younger. All my friends mm-hmm. are younger, uh, generally speaking. I hang out with a younger cohort and it really makes a difference. Um, yeah. When you're just surrounded with kind of a youthfulness, it, it, my dad always said, I was in my 20s, I remember it clearly, I graduated from undergrad and I started trying to be super adult all of a sudden. And he's like, honey, you have until your 50s to act like you're 50. Yeah. Just act like you're 20 something, just enjoy it. Well, and the interesting thing, and going back to a little of the vanity stuff, there was actually a twin study from Denmark where they compared identical twins and which one of the identical twins lived longer. And the one that actually looked younger typically lived longer than the one that looked older. Now, I don't know if that, you know, is that causation? Is that correlation? We don't know, but definitely there is something to the whole idea of looking younger and potentially the fact that you look younger giving you more longevity. Yes, yes. I think of the Golden Girls. Remember that show? Oh, those yeah. those women were our being they were portraying our age, which is why they're in the 50. 50- yeah, yeah. They were supposed that's to be in their thing. like 40s yeah. and 50s. I mean, some of them were supposed to be older, but generally speaking, that's, you know, back when we were young, folks played, they looked much older when they finally, I mean, I thought 40 was like the kiss of death. <laughs> I, thought, well, I thought you were over were, the hill. Yeah, like Blanche, Rue McClanahan was in her 50s at that time. It's like the same age that Jennifer Lopez is now. Wow. And so that just shows, you know, one of the, you know, we, we're talking about anti-aging and all that type of stuff. It does show how today, you know, I don't think this is just makeup and stuff like that. I mean, people are living healthier lives. I think we have a lot more um, at our disposal when you look at diet, when you look at supplements, when you look at skincare, there's so much that are at our disposal that yes, I mean, back when you're in your fifties, you could look like Blanche from Golden Girls back in the eighties, but now it's a whole different world. And it's exciting for people like our age and people older than us, because you don't have to feel old as you get older because you look older. Yes. Yes. I'm trying to stave it off at the pass. I'm, I'm trying to, I mean, I'm trying to age intentionally with the best of health and do it the most, um, diplomatically I can. I'm not trying to look 25. There is that, you know, there's women really trying to hold on to their youth. I'm not, I did that in my forties. I'm not as interested. I really just want to be the most beautiful 50 that I could possibly be. And I want to be agile and mobile and, you know, having fun and having good libido and having good friends and enjoying Yeah. The way I'd kind of describe it is that it's a blessing to get older because I mean, what's the alternative? Uh, (laughs) But at the same time, have fun trying to fight it every step of the way because, you know what, why not, you know? And I think you can look at at aging in a very healthy manner, yet still fight against it and still be understand that, you know, you look in the mirror and you see things that you may not want to see, that's okay. Uh, and you can fight that. Obviously for me, it's a, it's a, it's doing that in a, in as healthy of a way as possible. Uh, because yeah, there are people who overdo the plastic surgery, they end up getting scar tissue complications and stuff like that. And sometimes, you know, mentally it, it can be very, um, you know, people can be put in a very difficult, dark place yeah. with aging. And so how do you get, 
how do you age yet you know, and be appreciative of that, yet still look in the mirror and say, hey, you know what? Today, I'm going to undergo a Morpheus treatment or I'm going to undergo, you know, in your situation, Botox or I'm going to undergo a chemical peel or get on these great skincare products and, and, and feel good about that, understanding that, yeah, I may not be happy with everything I see in the mirror, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. We got to accept what we got, but we definitely can take as many measures as possible to make sure that, you know, we're slowing down the process. Speaking of, you have a chapter in your book that I think it's titled, What is Aging? Um, Mm -hmm. What is aging and why do we age? Let's, Let's explain that for the followers. So this is something that there's a lot of different theories out there of aging, and nobody really can put their finger and say, this is the only reason why we age. Uh, there are anti-aging researchers out there that read, write you know, four or 500-page books just on why we age and how you can increase your longevity. You know, For me, when I look at aging, I look at aging on the appearance of the skin. And typically, I look at five main causes of aging of the skin. So those causes would be nutrient depletion, collagen degradation, inflammation, oxidation or free radical production, and the buildup of cellular waste. Now, those are things that you can see. These are things that you can see in the aging process. There's also a lot of stuff going on underneath the surface, you know, and a lot of various um, theories of why we age in general. You know, some of these things like oxidation and free radicals, at one time, people thought that was the reason why we got older. Some people thought that it was our telomeres, telomeres getting shorter as we get older, and that's why we get older. Now people are talking about things like sirtuins and other types of aging um, uh, uh, factors uh, and proteins that have a part into it. In the end, you know, does it really matter as a listener of a program like this on the cellular basis of why age, or is it more important of like, what can you actually do to turn that back. And, and I think that that is where I try to go is these actionable things, you know, because we can talk about telomeres and the shortening of telomeres, but we don't know, once again, is that a cause or is right. that, you know, a correlation? We don't know. Yep. I totally agree with you. I smoked for 10 years straight, a pack a day from 14. <laughs> yeah, I know. From 14 to 24, I was a little chimney and I took shit care of myself. I ate, I lived off Snapple and Sun Chips. I was a mac and cheese-itarian, got no protein, was a complete train wreck of health, anxious, panic attacks, underweight, sick all the time. I mean, I was a mess. My followers have heard the story, but I am shocked. I am true testament to what you just said because I should look like I'm a million years old and I get complimented on my skin all the time. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Do you have any idea? I took antibiotics literally from the time I was born almost constantly from the time I was born until I was in my late teens, early 20s. That is how sick I was. And I, and just mismanaged, right? And I, I'm like, lady, people say, oh, there's no hope. You're so lucky. And I'm like, yo, this is truly the rebuild of just good living, you know, clean living. You know, as, as a regenerative physician, you know, though, that our body has a lot of power to regenerate itself, you know, and that's kind of this, you know, one of the terms that is in my book called autojuvenation. Really, that's this thing that I believe in, that the body has innate regenerative abilities to rejuvenate itself. You just have to give it the right tools for it to do that. Now, once again, this is all, you know, on a realistic level. Once again, you can't, you know, you're, there's nothing your body can do to get rid of skin hanging from your tummy, but there's so many things that your body can do if you give it the right environment and the right nutrients And if you try some things that we have technologically wise 
to help turn back the clock. And that's just such an exciting part of today. You know, I'm not surprised that you have fantastic skin now because you have given your body the ability to, to, to get there. It's even as, you know, you mentioned early, earlier that you were a smoker. As a surgeon, one of the big things I do is I do not operate on smokers. Yep. However, if you take a smoker and you get them off the of cigarettes, even if they're like a 20-year smoker, one pack a day, 20 years, and you get them off cigarettes for four to six weeks, those patients, their tissues rebound, the vascularity, the blood supply rebounds in just four to six weeks to the point where it's typically safe to operating on them, operate on them. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter in some ways how long they've been smoking. You get them off that for that four to six, six week period, your body wants to, to heal. Your body wants to regenerate itself and has that ability. Once again, you just have to do the right things for it. Yes, yes, 100%. You can get somebody into a more metabolically balanced lifestyle and they start to decrease their insulin and their insulin resistance starts to improve and the inflammation yep. starts to go down. And granted, I don't usually see changes on labs for about 90 days, but mm -hmm. man, really great things happen in those 90 days and things start reversing themselves and things start improving. And that's where I think we really... And it became really evident during the pandemic, like this black and white thinking, you know, this yeah. just it's if and I see that with folks, too, who are trying to lose weight or trying to jump on the path or that, you know, I always say wellness is a is a journey. It's not a destination. Right. Like we're just always on the path and that path might get you know, you might get pushed off by some stressful event, or maybe you start drinking too much wine or maybe you whatever it is, like things will start to detour you from your path, but you just got to get back on the path. And none of us are perfect. I certainly am not a purist by any means. I actually pride myself in that. So many people online, all these influencers are so puritanical. And I'm like, I'm just a normal person living out on a farm trying to just stay hot and happy. <laughs> like, just, well, and I think that's important you know, because you know, I mean, we have we have friends of ours who are biohackers and things like that. And, and the lifestyles that they live and that they promote the vast majority of people can't do that. You know, the vast majority of people are not going to buy a cold tub and put it in their backyard and fill it full of ice and sit in it every day. You know, this right. is not necessarily realistic for the most of the people. And so for me, you know, the, the book that I wrote was meant to try to get people where they are. And so, you know, there's some followers of mine who are really into their health. And for them, you know, some of the stuff that I give them like, oh yeah, I can easily you know, intermittent fast for a couple of days a week to help with the process of autophagy. And then there are other people who are like, wow, I drink four cans of soda pop a day. And Dr. Ian tells me to get down to start by going down to two. Like that's a big win for some people. And if that's the win that you get, that's okay. You know, it's, life is, is a journey where you want to go ideally in the right direction. And for me, what I'm trying to do is kind of, you know, nudge people in the right direction. A lot of my followers have never probably don't even realize you know, a lot of the stuff that's in this book uh, can really impact them. They may not realize that, uh, let's say, deep fried foods are filled with free radicals and that yes. that can cause inflammation and, and cause issues with their health. Like they may not even get it, you know. So I think it's so important because unfortunately, as you know, we live in this society where it's just, oh, your labs are normal, so you must be healthy. And it's like, no, that's not necessarily the case. You know, how do you actually feel inside? Uh, that's a big thing. Yes, yes. Man, fried food will make you look like garbage, though. That is the truth. Uh, those, yeah, those, those seed oils in a super oxidized state, bad news. That's, I just yeah. think of my poor cells going, <laughs> Well, and free radicals, one of the main agers of the skin, and you get a ton of free radicals from ultra-processed and deep-fried foods. And yeah. so limiting that can make a big, big change on your skin. 
so definitely a, just one of the super simple tips to get better skin. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why your skin looks so great. Oh, thank you. Well, I also have good lighting. <laughs> that, that helps too. <laughs> you, you should analyze my skin up close and you tell me. <laughs> um, I thank you though. Do you remember when we were young, my, my daughter, well, my daughter had terrible acne. Uh, she's, she's an interesting case. She, she listens to me sometimes and not always, but when she does listen to me, her skin clears up and looks amazing. But my sister also had terrible acne. The, the terrible acne kind of skipped me. That's where a lot of those antibiotics came in actually was me being vain and, you know, living off of, I don't even know which one I was on forever, but, you know, trying to keep the acne. That's what they put you on in high school. They would just pump you full of antibiotics to keep your acne down. But do you remember when it was like, oh, fried foods will give you, fried foods and chocolate will give you zits. That's about as far as they took it. And it was and just you know like benzoyl peroxide. <laughs> and we know that that's technically true now. I mean, because acne is an inflammatory state, fried foods that will increase inflammation, chocolate, you know, dark chocolate's one thing, milk chocolate, which is, you know, who yeah. ate dark chocolate back in the day? It was all milk chocolate back then. I mean, yep. so there definitely is truth there. Um, and I think, you know, with the antibiotic, it's interesting because I think they look so much at bacteria being a cause of acne and I'm not a dermatologist, so I don't actively treat acne patients. Um, but there are antibiotics now that people put are put on by dermatologists as a way to just ideally reduce inflammation yep. at very, very low levels. And what, what's causing, but you know, where's the root cause here? What's the inflammation coming from? Well, you know, it's coming from a lot of, it's just basically what you eat. Yep. Yep. Amen. I agree. And, and what's the big inflammation cause or sugar. So there you go. The first step, you've got acne, reduce the amount of sugar you eat. You can reduce chronic inflammation, reduce glycation. Glycation is a major ager of the skin. Just by reducing the amount of sugar you eat, once again, reduce the amount of, uh, of, of sugar-sweetened drinks, your skin is definitely going to benefit from that. Yep. And it doesn't matter what age you are or whether we're talking about acne or not. That is a quick way to make yourself look rough yep. around the edges. Is you know, Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially cystic acne because that scarring is really, really hard to, to improve. Yeah. I get so many people, patients ask me, I've got this acne scarring, you know, from cystic acne. How can I improve it? And it's like, there's no eraser for it. There's just minor amounts you can improve at a time. It's, it's frustrating. So I admittedly am not big on skincare. I'm nearly 50. And to say that I've slacked on my skin is a total understatement. I've recently noticed some changes, however, that I'm not loving. And so I finally decided to get serious. A few months ago, I reached out to my buddy, Andy, the CEO and founder of Alatura Naturals and asked him to help. <laughs> he sent me the complete skincare line. And if you've not heard of Alatura yet, let me introduce you to the most natural and luxurious lotions and potions to ever grace my face. Alatura is handcrafted natural skincare. Their mission is simple, to provide customers a skincare wellness experience with products made of superior natural ingredients packed with nutrients, minerals, and natural growth factors. Alatura is the line I've been looking for and it checks off all the boxes for me. It's all natural, it's cruelty-free, it's non-toxic, it's non-GMO, and it is organic when possible. My absolute favorites are the clay mask to detoxify and really heal my skin, as well as the night cream to boost collagen and deeply moisturize. The night cream also triples as an eye and lip balm and a little bit goes a long way. Honorable mentions are the pearl cleanser 
and the absolutely heavenly gold serum. You can literally feel the magic of the gold serum immediately upon application. It's that good. Because I believe everybody should try Alatura, I've partnered with them and listeners of the Dr. Tina Show can save 20% off your first order by heading to alatura.com. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A.com. And be sure to use code Dr. Tina at checkout for the discount. That's Dr. Tina with a Y. Or simply click the link in the show notes. You're going to love it. Yeah, it's tough. And it's it's really devastating. I think it's a harbinger though. It's it's a signal that something is yeah. wrong in the body. That brings us back to that holistic health model of like it's it's all the things. Are they sleeping? Are they eating nutritiously? Which I want to ask you about because you you talk about in the book eating to nourish, and I thought that was so beautiful. That's always what I try to tell people: like eat nutrient dense food. Stop worrying so much yeah. about this puritanical. Like it's so polarizing online. If you don't take a hard stand on nutrition and your nutrition account, well, then you're you know you get passed over. But let's talk about that. Let's talk about eating yeah. to nourish. That's such an important point. So they're actually, you know, if you talk to alternative medicine physicians, they'll tell you that our soil is depleted, that our produce does not have the nutrients that it used to because of industrial farming practices. Is there proof of that, though? Well, there was a study actually performed between 1950 to 1999, looking at the nutrient densities of many different fruits and vegetables. So over 49 years, and they found a statistically significant reduction and the amount of certain key nutrients, three of them, six of them specifically, three of them being the ones that I focus on, vitamin C, protein, and iron. So that's proof. And this, this study ended in 1999. And that's proof that basically our produce is not as healthy or nutritious as it used to be. Uh, and so one of the big things that I am a proponent of uh, is taking nutritional supplements, is obviously really focusing on whole, real foods over once again, we mentioned the ultra processed foods. And so a lot of some of these things can kind of work together. So once again, nutrient density being important. So eating the rainbow of fruits and vegetables, eating, you know, ideally, if you can, um, I'm a proponent of going organic, because there are some studies that show that organic produce does have a higher nutrition profile than non organic. However, I also understand that some people just can't afford it or don't have it. That's okay. I'd much rather have you eat a conventionally grown apple than let's say an organic uh, fruit bar. Right. Um, and so super important to try to stay with those whole foods, those foods that still look like what they were in their real state. It's funny because I grew up in the middle of Michigan. It's a tiny town, middle of Michigan, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And my parents are first generation. And so when I would eat at home, we would eat fish, rice, vegetables, kimchi, uh, garlic, those foods that actually look like what they are. Yep. But then I'd go out with my friends and it was all meat and potatoes. It'd be McDonald's and Wendy's and Burger King and Taco Bell and Kentucky Fried Chicken. And a lot of those foods, you could not really tell what they originated. What was their form, their original form? And so one simple thing that I encourage my followers to do is just try to eat more of those foods where you can tell by looking at them where they're from, because that's going to tell you that it's not ultra processed it's going to have a higher nutrition profile. It's going to overall be better for you. I agree. I always say, look, you know, how it came off the farm or how God made it, whatever whatever resonates with people, the it, that's it, 100%. If it comes in a package and it's got more than five ingredients, it's usually not your friend. And I know that's a hard transition for a lot of people to make, but that to mm -hmm. me is like root, you know, that foundation number one. 
Like that's, that's such a big part. Like start cooking at home. I made a post the other day, something about seed oils. I don't know. Somehow it came up and some lady said, it's just so hard to avoid them. They're in everything. And I'm like, not if you cook at home. No. Yeah. yeah. If you go out, (laughs) it's in everything and how can you control? But I agree, you know, cooking at home and limiting your ingredients, it just, it just makes sense. I think what a lot of people don't realize is all of that can really show on your skin. And that's one of the main causes of aging is nutrient depletion and our skin getting thinner, collagen degradation being the other thing. It's kind of hand in hand uh, because we're not getting enough protein. You know, we're not getting enough good protein to help with the collagen of our skin. I agree completely. And that's a hard one for women getting enough protein. I think that it's, I know that I literally just have a hard time getting that much in. But also I think societally, we've sort of been taught to avoid it. I know that as folks get older, they tend to eat less and less protein. Their ability to digest it decreases because their stomach acid is decreasing, their stomach lining's atrophying. It's really a a really vicious downward cycle. Maybe they're on a um, cost prohibitive you know, or, or um, yeah. I'm sorry, they're they're limited dealing. Budget. Yeah, they're on a limited budget, and and then to come to find out from Dr. Gabrielle Lyon that you know you've got to actually eat more protein as you age yeah. because protein muscle or muscle protein synthesis isn't activated unless you you know it gets harder and harder as you age. It's like oh my goodness, no wonder people start looking so aged. Well, sarcopenia is obviously a huge issue getting older. The breakdown of muscles and and how our muscles get smaller. Uh, But the other issue that comes up with that, and I I haven't heard her podcast with you yet, um, is breaking your hip. You know, there was a study that found that if you're over the age of 50, which, you know, we're kind of in that range and you break your hip, you have, it's like a 20 to 30% mortality rate if you break your hip within like 12 months. Oh yeah. And so really, you know, as you're looking at longevity, you know, yes, there are some studies, anti-aging studies that, that do look at reducing the amount of protein potentially causing you to have longer um, lifespans. But when you look at health span and being healthy, being strong, being active, we do need to have enough protein so that we can stay strong and so we can stay active. So we can do those exercises that will help with our fast twitch muscle fibers. So in case you're walking and you trip, you've got the muscles that are working that can help support you so you don't fall and hurt, break your hip and then lead to a true mortality event. Oh, yes. Uh, And so definitely, you know, protein is super important for sarcopenia, for, you know, being active uh, as we age. But for those people who are more skin minded, super important for your skin to look healthy and youthful because 70 to 80% of our skin is made of collagen. Collagen is a large protein. And if you're not getting enough protein, you're not going to have enough collagen and your skin will get thinner. There's a reason why women who are in their 70s and 80s sometimes have skin that's so thin, Mm -hmm. it's tissue paper thin and even tears from little scratches. Yep. I always say if you've got to eat collagen to make collagen, and I am with you on the hip fracture. We were taught that day one at chiropractic college that- a hip fracture is the kiss of death, period. I mean, that's it. And whenever anyone asks me why I am so adamant about strength training, I'm like, so I don't break a hip. I mean, that literally is like goal number one. I just want to have mobile hips that aren't going to fracture on me because it's actually worse in men. The the mortality risk goes up so significantly and it's Mm -hmm. actually worse in men than it is women. It's crazy. Like your chances of dying. And actually what happens is most people end up in the hospital, they get pneumonia and they die of pneumonia. And some Mm -hmm. of them are so aged and, and sarcopenic and just completely... I don't know, just kind of falling apart at the seams that they won't even reset the hip. I mean, what a miserable way to go, you know? So 
eat your protein, lift your weights. It, there is actually, I don't know if you know about that data, but there's data showing that people who lift weights have much better skin on their face. They look younger. Their face holds its shape better. It's. I was like, yes, 10 points for vanity and strength. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's so important because, you know, there's a fallacy that walking is all you have to do as you get older. I know that my parents and my in-laws, like, they do a lot of walking and they go, oh, I'm, I'm exercising, I'm walking. But when you walk, all you're doing is working those muscles that propel you forward and they're slow twitch muscle fibers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, although I think it's a good exercise in general to get your steps in, it's not the same and that's not going to prevent you from falling. It's not going to you know, allow you to work those muscles that will stabilize you if something happens to you, like you trip. Uh, And so I think that we've done a fallacy, unfortunately, in traditional medicine, where we talk so much about how walking is so important. And, and that's all you have to do as you get older. It's not like you literally are not working the right, you know, all the muscles that you need to, if you can't walk backwards and jump and, you know, and twist around and things like that, then, then, you know, you're not going to be healthy as you get older. And it's just literally one trip could be the difference between life and death. Yep. 100%. I completely agree. And if your face is wrinkling and your skin is sagging, your joints look the same inside. It's it's a complete connection there. So if your collagen is degrading on your face, it certainly is degrading in your joints. So we lose about 1% of the thickness of collagen every year, starting in about our mid-20s or so. Now, women, once they go through menopause, they start losing upwards of 2% a year. And that's one reason why once again, as I mentioned earlier, some women as they're in their later years, their skin is so tissue paper thin. And so collagen being a protein, super important to eat enough collagen to help to support that. And there's collagen in other parts of our body. So type one collagen is in our skin, in our hair, our nails, type two collagens in the joints, type three is in the muscle. So really we want to make sure that we have a full amount of collagen, you know, because there are some like beauty collagen fiber uh, powders out there. They're just type one. There's some other collagen, you know, supplements that are Uh, more of a well-rounded thing, but really you want to understand kind of how all of that works because collagen is so, so important to the overall staying young and youthful, both on the inside and the outside. And I think too, a lot of cultures cook in a way that brings a lot of collagen to their food. And that's inherent in the way that they cook and the foods that they eat. And then I think, you know, your typical Caucasian American is not getting a lot of collagen in their foods. They're not eating the cartilage or the bone. I mean, there is the movement towards more bone broth, of course, lately, but in the last few years, but that was really more of a new thing in the past 10 years. Before that, I call, you know, all kinds of viscera or organ meat and collagen foods were pretty much, it was just muscle meat. That's, I was raised on muscle meat. You know, I wasn't raised to eat any of the others. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, interestingly, because bone broth, there's a lot of our uh, friends uh, who are big uh, proponents of bone broth for skin. Interestingly enough, though, I did do some research to see for the book, are there any studies to support bone broth as actually being beneficial for your skin? You know, can it improve wrinkles? Can it improve hydration, thickness of the skin? And the answer actually is no. There, There isn't a single study to show that bone broth is actually good for the skin. But there is not a single study to show that bone broth is not good for the skin. <laughs> it just hasn't really been tested. Yeah. But, you know, what has been tested are collagen supplements. You know, mm-hmm. and that's a hot topic. You know, collagen supplements, basically you're getting it directly, you know, with bone broth, you're getting it obviously in the form of gelatin. With uh, collagen supplements, you're getting that directly. And there are a ton of studies to show that taking a collagen supplement can definitely benefit your skin. I agree. I would guess that the bone broth is coming from the musculoskeletal system 
of the animal, which is probably more that type too. So I believe it, well, just anecdotally, clinically, when people drink bone broth, when I put people on like a cup a day, their joints do mm-hmm. feel better. So I think yeah. you're right. I think we're dealing with different, potentially different types of collagen. But I know a lot of collagen supplements are made out of hide, animal hide. So I, I don't know. Well, and your body's going to break some of that down into peptides and amino right. acids and and some of that, even if it's necessarily collagen that starts off, let's say, in the joints or in the muscle, can that become collagen that ends up, you know, improving the skin? Mm. I would think so, but I'm not a scientist, so I can't say right. for sure. <laughs> and there's no, no studies that have told us yet. Right. I'm sure they'll get there, though. Some company that's selling yes. some collagen will finally get us the answer we need. <laughs> exactly. But it's also important if you're buying collagen to make sure that you see what types of collagen are in it, you know? Yeah. So if you have got joint and muscle aches and you, uh, you're let's say spouse gives you a beauty-based collagen and that only has type one collagen, then that may not be as beneficial as one that has a profile where you've got type two and three as well. Yes, totally. I totally agree with you. Um, Okay. We talked a little bit about fried foods accelerating aging, but since we're on the topic of food, what are some other foods that people should look out for that accelerate aging? Well, the number one thing that I would try to avoid are is sugar. So refined carbs. So white bread, white rice, uh, pasta, the issues with, with sugar mainly, you know, it used to be everybody would say fat is a big problem, but really what we find is that sugar ages our body in two main ways. The first is glycation. So when sugar molecules, they can actually bond to the collagen of our skin, causing the collagen to become damaged. The way I describe our collagen in our skin, it's like the logs of a log cabin. And when we're younger, those logs are nice and tight, they're strong, they're smooth, And as we get older and as the log cabin, you know, ages, essentially, those logs start to fray. The collagen starts to fray. It starts to fall apart. Those tight collagen bundles start to get loose. What sugar does when you ingest sugar is those sugar molecules can actually physically bond to the collagen and the elastin in your skin and cause the collagen to become permanently kinked. That is uh, that can cause premature aging. And those collagen sugar hybrids are called advanced glycation end products or AGEs. Uh, and so sugar creates these AGEs very, very appropriately <laughs> named. Yes, <right? laughs> um, and that will prematurely age your skin. So that's one way that, the, that uh, sugar ages the skin. The second way that sugar ages the skin is something that you have uh, done a really good job in explaining to your followers is with chronic inflammation. So chronic sugar spikes can cause chronic insulin spikes. Chronic insulin spikes can then lead to chronic inflammation. It can lead to insulin resistance. It can lead to type two diabetes, high levels of sugar, all of that being very, very pro-aging essentially and, and causing premature aging of your body. Yep. So the first thing I recommend for anybody who's like, wow, what change should I make in my diet to reduce the aging, the premature aging that's being caused in my skin it would be to reduce the amount of sugar you you eat or drink. And really, there was one study that found that 20% of the calories in the standard American diet comes from sugar-sweetened drinks. Whether it's power drinks, you know, like uh, energy drinks or soda pop or fruit juices, 20% of our calories are essentially empty, sugar-filled calories. And if you could take just part of that as a first step and take that out and switch it for a green tea or water or kombucha or something on a, with a healthier level um, then you're going to make huge potential changes in your skin. You can see the inflammation reduced in skin. You know, you and I, we have clients and patients where you can tell their lifestyle just by looking at their skin. You know, they come in, their skin is real drab. It is 
um, dry, it's wrinkled. You know that they could be a smoker. You can tell when they've got that really overly rosy cheeks that are with uh, inflammation and the skin's kind of dry and flaky, but they're real rosy, that that's inflammation on the inside coming out. These are the types of changes that you can reverse when you make these changes in your diet. Yes, it's a big one. And alcohol is kind of in there with the sugar. So yes, that, that'll yeah. age you faster than anything. I think the only, so no question, you know, reducing or if not eliminating alcohol from your diet is awesome. The one question that I have, and I still haven't come to a complete conclusion, is it is drinking one glass of red wine a day. You know, are the antioxidants <laughs> like resveratrol, like resveratrol, you know, the benefits of those antioxidants just may outweigh the alcohol, the toxic effects of the alcohol, but I usually recommend limiting it to one glass a day at the most. Yeah. For me, I'm a big fan of dry farm wines too, because now you're taking wine that's lower in sugar, doesn't have all the additives, it's organic. Uh, and interestingly enough, it's the only wine that I can drink that doesn't make me break out in hives or get a headache the next day or feel real crummy. Yeah. You know, for the hives, that might be, I, I did a little research and I started using uh, B6 if I was having that weird histamine reaction to wine, yeah. which I know isn't, it does not a direct correlation, but it, it, it works. Just try it. <laughs> if you have, if you, if you're starting to feel it, just try taking a capsule of B6, just try it. Usually I just put the glass down and yes. eventually it goes away. <laughs> <laughs> well, to offset that. And then obviously some like, you know, some DAO, DAO anti-hist kind of supplements too are helpful. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. Um, Yes, I also think of it as something I don't know if you touched on in the book, but I love this idea of hormesis. And mm -hmm. I think of maybe one glass a day. I don't I can't drink one glass a day. It doesn't make me feel good, but I can drink, you know, maybe one or yeah. two glasses a week. But there is this idea of these little hormetic hits and hormesis for the audience listening who doesn't know, it's these little doses of stress that cause your body to respond in favor. And it's actually you end up in a better, you end up better off than you started. And so like strength training to me is a hormetic hit and small incremental doses, not chronic stress, chronic stress will age the heck out of you. But I do think of alcohol sometimes as that little hormetic hit. So I don't know. Yeah. That's just my Well, I think logic. that we look at that even in skincare, you know, there's a difference between uh, acute inflammation and chronic inflammation and acute inflammation can actually be very anti-aging. So for example, you know, if we, let's say do a laser treatment, that creates acute inflammation of the skin. And that and, and the, the collagen, those fibers are starting to fall apart, those laws, those log cabin. When you do an acute inflammatory process to the skin, as long as it's not overdone and you create scar, then, when, then that collagen, as it heals, it's going to heal in a tighter fashion. So virtually all the skin tightening treatments, the non-invasive or minimally invasive ones, act in some ways off of that whole principle where you create an acute controlled trauma let's say to the skin, and the skin actually will heal in a younger fashion afterwards. It's just when it's too much that you can develop once again scarring. So whether it's a laser doing it with light energy or a chemical peel doing it with an acid um, or even microneedling uh, where you make a, a, a literally a poke in the skin, that trauma, the skin will actually respond by causing the collagen to become thick, uh, thicker and healthier and more youthful. 
That's the whole premise behind the yes. needling work I did w- with prolotherapy yeah. and regenerative injections. Like it's not just inject PRP into a joint, like you actually needle the compromised anthesis of the ligament and tendon because you're trying to do exactly what you just said. You're trying to evoke collagen synthesis uh, and production because you're causing it to bleed and you're giving it a controlled inflammatory impact. And we can do that now. We even take it to the next level where we have treatments like Morpheus 8, where you make the needle poke and then it, and that needle itself is actually insulated all the way up to the tip, but the tip emits a radio frequency energy or heat essentially. Ooh. So now you're getting the double benefit where you get the trauma from the needle and then the heat that heats the deeper skin. When the skin is heated to a certain temperature, that collagen denatures and once again, it tightens up again. And so, you know, there are these ways now where we can, you know, it used to be you would make microneedling just started by making little needle pokes. and It was just the trauma that you get the benefit from. And some people still do that. It's a good bang for your buck because it's not that expensive. The next step up, what we used to do and we still do is apply the PRP over the skin. And so you've got those little needle pokes. You have these tiny, tiny channels then that go to the deeper skin. You put the PRP, the platelet rich plasma on the surface of the skin. And that platelet rich plasma, you basically draw from your own blood. It's filled with growth factors. And those tiny holes will allow those growth factors to seep into the skin, rejuvenating the skin from the inside out. And now we've taken it to the next level with Morpheus 8, where you make the poke and now you heat the deep skin. And if you want, you can apply PRP on the surface of it after that too. I need that. That's amazing. I wonder, do do these come in longer needles? Can we inject them into joints? Because that sounds amazing. That would heal stuff up so amazingly well. purely cosmetic. So I can't, I, I don't know whether you could do that. You don't, want, you don't want me giving advice there. Man, you know, the original prolotherapy was Hippocrates. He heated hot pokers. He would stick hot pokers into people's shoulders to contracture their capsule when they had lax, you know, lax capsules and were dealing with, mm. you know, yeah. joint dislocation. He hit them with a hot poker in the joint and that was the OG regenerative medicine. So you're kind of gone, <laughs> it's kind of go. gone full circle. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I'm going to come see you and have my face heated and tightened up. I love that. I do it right here. This is uh yeah, I do it to my neck. Oh man, that's yeah. starting to get me. It's this, yeah, that's, the, that's what the, I do. the gaggle or whatever we call it. I know I'm starting to look like my mother. My mother's a beautiful woman. I can't, I can't uh, say anything, but, but they're still, it's happening. So, okay, cool. I love this. Um, real quick, since we're talking about food, what are your thoughts on intermittent fasting? And so I am a big fan of it, I think, from an anti-aging standpoint. Now, obviously, there's, you know, everybody talks about different ways to do it for weight loss and metabolic health and all that. When you look at it purely from an anti-aging perspective, this is something that we actually tested. We have a three-week jumpstart in my book where we uh, basically took patients or people, we we put them through this jumpstart for three weeks where we focused on four things, what they ate, when they ate, supplements, and skincare products. And for three weeks, we put them on this. Weeks to, you know, week one, it was just essentially cleaning up their diet, getting them the nutrient rich foods, getting rid of the pro- ultra processed foods, the added sugars, uh, alcohol, gluten, and dairy. And then weeks two and three, we actually had them intermittent fast just for two days each week, where they would do a fast from 8 p.m. until noon the next day. And the main thing that we are looking for uh, getting is autophagy. So a huge benefit of fasting essentially is what I call intracellular cleanup, where as our cells, as we are um, basically the act of being alive, our cells will develop intracellular waste products. And these are waste products of like organelles and proteins and even kind of used up mitochondria. And in order for our cells to essentially clean themselves out, you, they have to undergo this process called autophagy, where it's 
basically your body using that intracellular waste for energy. Uh, when it uses the intracellular waste for energy, it helps to clean the cells out. The cells will then function more effectively and more youthfully. And essentially, that's what we want to see, essentially this cleaning out effect. But unfortunately, autophagy cannot happen if you're constantly eating. And that's one of the problems with our society is that we don't take breaks from eating. And some reports say that you need to stop eating for a minimum of about 12 hours for autophagy to truly kick in and for it to really recycle this intracellular waste. Uh, and so what I recommend is for people to start, even with if you've never fasted before, just starting with a 12-hour fast, yeah. 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. the next day, it's usually not that hard. Give your body and your gut a, a time to rest, and that can be very beneficial for an anti-aging perspective. Ideally, if you can even go 16 hours, so that 8 p.m. you stop, you don't eat until the next day at noon, um, then that gives you even more time for autophagy to essentially work. Now, we actually took this one step further, too. There are some, uh, some information that I have found that does state that certain types of foods can also help promote autophagy, possibly even when you're actually eating, you know, because we think about autophagy happening when you're not eating at all. But can you actually stimulate autophagy while you're eating? And it turns out if you're eating healthy fats, like omega-3 rich fatty acid foods, like cold water fish, like tuna, trout, salmon, mackerel, that type of thing, or monounsaturated fats like olives, olive oil, avocados, nuts, and seeds, uh, that group of foods, as well as polyphenol-rich foods, which are foods that typically are like brightly colored uh, uh, fruits uh, and vegetables like strawberries, blackberries, blueberries, and dark vegetables like green leafy vegetables and like black beans and stuff like that. If you eat those types of foods, you may be able to then break your fast at noon, eat those types of foods, which is kind of like a healthy keto diet mm -hmm. for the rest of the day, and you may be able to stimulate that autophagy process to continue much, much longer. That's awesome. Um, and so we, yeah, so we tested this for three weeks on people and found these fantastic results. Now, it's not a facelift. They didn't look like they had a facelift afterwards. But we had people that would literally stop them on the street. Random strangers would stop these people on the street and go, hey, just have to ask you, what are you doing with your skin? Because your skin <laughs> looks so nice. Or we'd have people that would go to parties and their friends, not knowing that they were doing this three-week jumpstart, would stop them and go, yeah, you know, you're, you just look really, really good. And I can't really put my finger on what it is. Uh, and so it was really cool because in three weeks, people really turned everything around in a very short period of time. That's amazing. That's really cool to hear. And I mean, that's proof positive to, to you know, nourish yourself correctly and, and do the right things. And like you said, sometimes you need the supplemental help and... And the right skincare. That's yeah. That's testament. That's so. I'm going to use this, and if I have a party or something, I have to go to or an event. I'm, oh, there you go. <laughs> I'm going to be pulling out the book, <laughs> getting my three week jump start on. That that reminds me of when uh, back when I was younger, they would you know in the um, not health magazine. Well, they were kind of like like women's health. I don't yeah, even really yeah. consider that a health magazine, but you know what I'm talking about. And they yeah. would be like three days to beat the bloat before you're oh, big, you know, yeah. squeeze into the dress or yeah. whatever. But in this case, this is a good three weeks. It's like just eat grapefruit for three days and yeah, you're going to be, be great. Fine. It's like, oh, geez. And then you'll pass out <laughs> at the party. Yes. Okay. Anything? Oh, skincare. Let's talk. I saw you talking on a video about the two things that you need in your skincare lineup, yes. two of which I'm not doing. So let's cover those and talk a little bit about skincare before we close up. Yeah, so one thing that we did is uh, we actually tested people on a very simple skincare routine because it's so confusing. You go to Sephora, you go to Ulta, you go to the department store, and there's so many products out there. How do we simplify it to a skincare routine that anybody can do that really works for them? And this is it. So we tested it on people for about two months. We found it takes literally two minutes a day. 
And after testing on people for two months, we actually put their photos online. We asked people, how much younger do they look? And they looked an average of about five years younger. So the, the skincare routine, very simple. You wake up in the morning, you cleanse your skin with the cleanser appropriate for your skin type. So if you've got oily skin, you want to use ideally a foaming cleanser. If you've got sensitive skin or real dry skin, then a hydrating or milky cleanser is better. Then you want to apply an antioxidant serum. The most common antioxidant serum is vitamin C, and most skincare companies have a good vitamin C serum. Um, a little biohack, though, is there was a study that found that if you combine vitamin C and vitamin E, you can get a synergistic antioxidant effect. Uh, and so ideally, if you have one that combines vitamin C and E, that would be best. We have one called the CE Antioxidant Serum. There's a real famous one by SkinCeuticals called CE Ferulic, but it's like crazy expensive. Um, and so vitamin C serum, ideally combined with vitamin E in the morning. And then I do recommend the sunscreen. Um, you know, I know that you've talked about your skin cancer journey. Um, you know, like I think most things there are dermatologists who will say, put on sunscreen, even if you're going to be sitting in a dark room in the basement all day. And then we have some of our holistic friends who are like, I don't apply sunscreen. I'll just that's put lard on my face and that's it. <laughs> well, you know, you've dealt with skin cancer. Yeah. I have seen patients who've come in with basal cell cancer, you know, where they look, there's a little dot on their nose and they go and get Mohs surgery. They come back and half their nostril is gone. Yeah. And so you do not want to get a skin cancer on your face. Yeah. Period. I mean, you just don't. And so I am definitely a fan of skin uh, of sunscreen. I do recommend avoiding uh, two, two ingredients, oxybenzone and octinoxate, because they are potential hormone disruptors. In general, if you can go with a more mineral-based sunscreen, like a zinc oxide or titanium dioxide, um, that's good. But those can cause your skin to look overly light. And especially if you're a person of color, that may not work so well. Right. And so if you're going to go with a chemical sunscreen, then look for avobenzone or megzoral XL. Those are in general safe. They're not considered hormone disruptors and they won't make your skin look uh, whitish, give it a whitish hue. So that's all you have to do in the morning. Okay. Cleanse, antioxidant serum like vitamin C and E, and then uh, ideally apply sunscreen if you're going to be out in the sun that day. Okay. And at night, super important. You got to cleanse your skin. You got to get rid of the day's worth of grime, dirt, uh, oil, and buildup. Some people will double cleanse, especially if you're wearing makeup during the day. Uh, a lot of people recommend an oil-based cleanser, and that's one of the things I sent to you, actually. Uh, you start with an oil-based cleanser to get the makeup off, and then you do a regular cleanse after that. After you cleanse your skin, then I recommend an anti-aging treatment, and the most common one is retinol. Retinol is a derivative of vitamin A. It is found in a lot of different skincare lines use retinol. It is probably the most scientifically proven anti-aging ingredient there is. Now, prescription strength retinol is Retin-A, and there have been multiple studies showing that Retin-A can reverse uh, fine lines, it can thicken the dermis or the, thick, uh, the deeper layer of the skin, it can uh, reduce unwanted pigmentation, and it can even reverse early pre-skin cancers. Wow. So, but that's with the prescription strength. Retinol is over-the-counter strength. Prescription strength, you got to go to a doctor to get. Retinol, you can get virtually anywhere. You can get it online. We have my own retinol moisturizer. I think I sent one of those to you. Retinol is much easier to tolerate, and the reason why it's not prescription strength is because it goes on your skin inactive, but then it converts, your skin will actually convert it to the tretinoin, which is the active component, essentially. Okay. And really, that's all you have to do at night. Cleanse your skin, use a retinol. If you can't tolerate retinol, if you've got real sensitive skin, then go with bakuchiol. Bakuchiol is a plant-based alternative to retinol where there was a head-to-head -head study comparing the two and found Bakuchiol had the same effects as retinol for anti-aging, 
but with less skin irritation. Okay. And that's all you have to do at night. If you want to apply a, a moisturizer on top of that, if you're in a real dry climate, if it's in the wintertime, feel free to do that, but it's not necessary uh, with everybody. Uh, and then the final thing, uh, Tina, is that two or three times a week, if you've got normal skin to exfoliate your skin, once a week if you've got sensitive skin. Exfoliating your skin either with a gentle scrub or with a um, alpha hydroxy acid type of a, a, a peel, that can help to get rid of that upper layer of dead skin cells. And that actually sends a cellular signal to the deeper layer of skin cells to cause those cells to turn over more quickly. And that's one of the things that happens as we get older is that our cells kind of build up. They don't turn over as quickly. And we want to get that process revved up. That's been huge for me, like just getting that dead layer off the top. I never had yeah. to scrub before. And now I do use a scrub or I do use some acids and it helps so much to just keep, yeah. again, it's that collagen Just don't overdo it. Yes, don't yes. do it. I did overdo it. And I gave myself little capillary ruptures and I was yeah, like, yeah. oh no, that's not good. Yeah, you know, it used to be too, you know, we would use these alcohol-based astringents and you put that on your skin. It feels nice and clean afterwards, squeaky clean. But what we know now is that there's actually a microbiome on our skin, just like the microbiome in our gut. Obviously, it's different bacteria, but, it, but we are learning more and more that the microbiome on our skin, like, like our gut microbiome, contains a lot of functions to keep our skin nice and healthy. And so, you know, overly doing, let's say, exfoliation, using alcohol-based astringents and things like that can really disrupt that microbiome. And you want to leave that microbiome alone and leave that skin barrier function uh, nice and healthy. Yes. Yes, I, I agree. Don't overdo it. We like the, when I stopped trying to strip all the oil off my face, my face got much nicer and much happier and it quit yeah. overproducing oil. You know, I was that kid yeah. that had very oily skin and I was that, it was, what, what, what was the, what were those terrible wipes we all use? Clarisil or? Yeah, there's, Clearasil was a Clearasil. big one. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, the pads. Yeah, those um, oxy pads too. Oh, yeah, terrible. And I would just yeah, get yeah. more and more oily. So, yes, especially as we age, ladies, we don't want to be stripping our oil off our face. So, I do love, I love all no, these and ideas. What, and what happens when you strip that oil off is that your skin sees that there's not oil there and it starts to create more oil. Yep. And so, you get this kind of negative feedback loop yep. where cleaning the oil off, you know, stripping it causes more oil to come. And then you strip that and it's, you're just in this terrible cycle that you can get into. That was me for decades. Yeah. <laughs> I was just oil producing all the time because I was stripping it so much. I will say I have started wearing a zinc-based sunscreen because I don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm actually paying attention to my face now. So I, you'd be proud of me. <laughs> Yes. I mean, if it takes vanity to get you to wear your sunscreen on your face, then that is fine. The fear of having a disfiguring skin cancer, if that's what it takes. I mean, I honestly, I, I, I fear for one of my favorite actors, Hugh Jackman, because he's had multiple skin cancers removed. He's such a good looking guy. Yeah. He's so talented. And it's scary. Like you just, you just get one like on your eyelid or on your nose or something. And I mean, it's just, it can be so, so scary. So oh, yeah, you're, I know you're hitting my heart with that one. I had a melanoma scare recently and it turned out yeah, to be I benign, know. but like that yeah. was so terrifying. And I have baked the crap out of my back, especially as a young person. And again, it's these things you can't take back. You know, I fell asleep no. on a, I, oh, shoot, I'm numerous times I fried my back, but yeah, you can't take back those sunburns. Yeah. What I would recommend if, if you can would be, I mean, we have, um, there's retinol moisturizers that some people have for the body. And that might be something just worthwhile using. I mean, it's anti-aging, but you know, if you've got a history of a cellular atypia in your, in your skin cells, you never know what it might reverse, but there are studies that show that prescription strength definitely can reverse early cancers. 
skin cancers, you just don't, you know, the, the fact is they just don't show up. So you don't know what it's, what it's done, but yeah. I think it's worth a try, especially, you know, when you've had your skin cancer scares and stuff, you want to do everything you can other than, you know, traditional medicine is so reactive of like, Oh, when you get it, then let's treat it. Well, isn't there a way that we could try to prevent that from happening? And I think that's what one of the things that I would look at, obviously preventative being the sunblock, but can you actually reverse some of those atypia cells that you don't know about yet? It may be possible using a topical retinol. Yeah, I agree. That's great. I had never thought of doing that, but that I I have read that. I will I went on the big skin cancer deep dive research path when the melanoma showed up. So yeah. I have a question about retinol. They say if you use retinol at night, you can't go out in the sun in the morning. I have also read that you can if it's been over 14 hours. I've read all different kinds of things. What are your thoughts on someone like a woman my age? A lot of women my age are using retinol moisturizers at night. What are your thoughts about us getting skin ex- or sun exposure during the day? Uh, I think you, you'll see if you do use it, you'll know when your skin is being sensitive to it, okay. essentially. So let's say if you're going to go on a vacation to the Caribbean or something like that, then I would discontinue it one to two weeks before you go on a heavy sun vacation. But if you're just going out and you're doing some gardening or doing some sports or something like that, you know, in general, obviously, if it's going to be real sunny, you want to wear your sunscreen anyway, but you'll, you'll feel it in your skin in general. That sensitivity is not something that's in general, just going to pop up out of nowhere of like, oh my gosh, I got all these burns or something. You know, you're going to feel your skin being more sensitive to it. And so in general, I would just say to wear the sun protection, but not worry so much about it, unless you're going to have a lot of ex- uh, like significant exposure. Okay. And would you suggest, is there any concern? Some ladies like to put it on in the morning and then those are the ones who don't want to go out in the sun. And I would think putting it on at night, like you suggest, makes more sense. I'm washing it off in the morning. Yeah. Actually, in general, the sunlight will deactivate the retinol. And so you're kind of wasting your money on it. So in the morning, you want to use an antioxidant. That's why vitamin C you should use in the morning because that's going to actually help protect you even from the rays of the sun. The antioxidant is going to protect you because it's going to fight the free radicals, one of the main agers of the skin. When you look at the sun and the UV damage, it damages your skin by creating free radicals and by creating inflammation. Okay. And so, you know, there is a belief that obviously by eating the right foods, the rainbow fruits and vegetables, as well as applying that antioxidant rich substances to your skin can help protect you from the sun as well. It's not necessarily a substitute for actual, you know, a a sunscreen. It's not going to be that powerful, but it can definitely help because it can reduce that oxidative process. Okay. That's very helpful. That's awesome. Vitamin C morning, retinol at night. You don't want to switch them and no reason to use vitamin C at night because you're sleeping. You're in, you know, there's nothing to really protect your skin from because it's dark. Right. <laughs> um, and then retinol will get, it will get deactivated by the sunlight. So now you're wasting your money. That's what I remember reading is it gets deactivated. It's deactivated within a certain amount of time. So blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this yeah. is so confusing. And then my best friend and I were kind of going around in circles about it because she used to work for Lancome. And she's like, no, you mm. can't. She always wears a hat. And I'm like, get sun on your face. And, you know, it's, I got to say this. She and I have been best friends since we were in sixth grade. She has been religious about sunscreen. Religious. Good, yeah. And I have been completely just slacking on it, <laughs> just yeah. out baking the crap out of my skin. And while I have way, 
I wouldn't even say though, I don't have way more sunspots than she does. I know we have different genetics and we're different humans, but her skin does not look remarkably younger than mine by any means. So I, I think it's interesting just at the end of the day, I was always one, I always told her, I'm like, if we both live to our fifties and sixties, this is like the ultimate competition of who ends up. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I embraced healthy food a lot earlier than she did. Yeah. So I well, think I there's think that I, too. I do think that some of the spots that we develop are coming from when we're much younger, you know, because yeah. I do have a lot of patients of mine who they come in, they've got tons of, of age spots, sunspots, age spots, liver spots, all different names for the same thing. Um, and it's typically it's UV damage causing the, the melanin to kind of clump. Uh, and I see a lot of people that say, look, I don't get hardly any sun, but where are these spots coming from? And I do believe it's from sun damage from long ago that finally kind of rears its ugly head. Yeah. Uh, and so when you're in your 20s, you may bounce back very quickly, but you don't know whether you're going to pay the price later on because some of those, some of that damage can once again rear its ugly head later on when the cells start to actually become atypical and you get potential skin cancer issues and stuff like you're dealing with. Well, and I wonder how much... Uh, in the way of seed oils, we were all sucking down. You know, I think that. I mean, a lot. That was back suck- when people said margarine is like good for you. Like, yeah. that was much more. My dad was a physician. And I remember it back then, my mom got margarine for us and I was putting a ton of it on my toast. And my mom asked my dad, like, is that okay for him to eat that much margarine? He goes, oh, yeah, margarine's healthy as much as you want on there. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yep. I know. Oh, we were we bathing know in it. Now. I know, I know. I remember when butter left my household and then I brought it back. I brought it back to my parents. I'm like, throw this crap away. This, I can't believe it's not butter garbage. And I, funny story, when I met my husband in 2019, I ended up, we had a date uh, after several dates and I spent the night at his house and I woke up in the morning, he went to work and I looked in his fridge and he had, I can't believe it's not butter. And I almost, I texted my friend and I was like, I got to break up with him. <laughs> I can't <laughs> do this. That's what we had in my house. Yeah. <laughs> when I grew up, that's what we had yep. for like over a decade was, I can't believe it's not butter. Yep. Yeah. I, I was going to just end it right there. I was going to cut it off and <laughs> I f- come to find out it was his adult son who also lived in the house. Oh. It was his butter. He didn't know better. And my husband had a Unforgivable big- offense. Well, the the huh. current husband, he, he turned into my husband. He ended up being my husband, but he had a brick of Amish butter in, because uh, we live out in Amish country, out in the drawer. And I was like, okay, okay, you're redeemed. <laughs> <laughs> he had Folgers coffee and I can't believe it's not butter. And I was like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> An Eskimo pie in the freezer, right? <laughs> so a Klondike bar, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh. It's funny, Love. my wife and I, we had a Klondike bar. This was a few years ago, and we, we we were at some party, and we each had one. And it was so funny because about 45 minutes later, I look at her, and she looks at me, and she's like, are you crashing right now? I'm like, I so am crashing. Are you crashing? She's like, I'm <laughs> totally crashing. <sighs> and yeah. we've not, it was crazy. It happened the exact same time, and like, we've not had one of those since then. We're like, oh, my gosh, the sugar in this is insane. We used to live off those and just go play all I day, know. right? I don't yeah, know. I used we, to live off of Wendy's Frosties and then uh, I go home and eat like bibimbap. It's like crazy. Well, at least you had, it sounds like you had some pretty good traditional food in your home. That's great. I was like all, it was, I was the Midwestern girl that was eating all the processed. Bless my mom. She tried, but we, I don't know. The first time I had broccoli, it was frozen with that gross cheese sauce. Yeah. You know, it yeah. wasn't real. I was like, and then the first time I had real broccoli after that, just like, you know, a nice steamed crisp broccoli. I thought, is this the, like, this is the same thing? This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> this can't be the same thing I've been growing up on. So anyway, well, 
Tony, this has been so fun. Is there anything we haven't talked about in the book that you want listeners to leave with? No, I think it really, what it is, is it's an anti-aging guide, a step-by-step guide to turning back the clock uh, using your body's own regenerative abilities. So it's what you eat, when you eat, supplements, skincare products. And then I go over all the different non-invasive and minimally invasive options, uh, including red light therapy. Uh, We talk about Botox and fillers and all that type of stuff, although that's very much on the side because I really believe that anybody can look 10 years younger just by making these little changes in their body uh, in their diet and in, in their lifestyle and, and all of that, um, because your body does have innate regenerative abilities. You just need to know how to, how to actually tackle that and how to give, give your body the ability to do it on your own. Amen. I'm with you hundred percent on that. I love it. I didn't read through that part. I want to know more about this Morpheus eight. So is that, is that in there too? Or is that just yeah, a special so the, thing? The last clinic? part of the book literally goes through every single anti-aging or every single aging issue that you may have with your face and what are the non-invasive or minimally invasive options. So talk awesome. about excess skin, the eyelids, crow's feet, nasal labial folds, frown lines, droopy skin, jowls, and what are, what are non-invasive or minimally invasive options to treat those if available? Um, so it's kind of the step-by-step holistic guide. Plus, if you want to take that next step to do some treatments, some of them you could easily do at home uh, or other ones, if you have access to a doctor's office, then these are options for you. And we even talk about natural ways to thicken the hair, to whiten your teeth, uh, all these different options that, I mean, that I think a lot of people don't realize that you can do a lot of this just at home and not spend a ton of money yet see actual results. I'm going to read it and I'm going to be, I'm going to beautify and I'm going to come back and you're going <laughs> to let Everybody's going to accuse you of having plastic surgery. Like, no, no, I just auto-juvenated myself. That's all. It's not plastic surgery. Oh, people accuse me of all kinds of nonsense constantly. So it's okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, me too. <laughs> I love it. Well, where can everyone find you? You're obviously a TikTok sensation and Instagram oh, king. So go so there, all guys. Over- all over social media. If you uh, actually, if you do order the book, I have a website, autojuvenation.com, autojuvenation.com. It's spelled just like it says. And we do have a ton of free gifts if you do order the book, including a companion recipe book, including $30 to my uh, online store, youandbeauty.com, where we sell skincare and supplements um, and a whole lot of other goodies, uh, even a quick start skincare guide just to get you started. So it's at autojuvenation.com if you pick up the book. Okay. And this podcast will launch when the book is out. So everybody will be able to grab it. Is there a place you want to send them for that? Amazon? Is that the... You can go really, you know, for me, I try to encourage people to go with their local independent bookstores. And so there is a website a lot of people don't know about called bookshop.org, bookshop.org, where you can choose your actual local bookstore. And if you buy the book there, they will actually send the profits to your local bookstore and they'll mail it to you. That's awesome. Um, so that's where I, yeah, that's where I try to push people to because I mean, there's so many independent bookstores that, that just would love your business. So it's very simple, bookshop.org. You, you choose your actual bookstore. They have a list of all these independent bookstores and then the profit of that sale goes to them. Okay, that's fantastic. I did yeah. not know. We have a little, I live in a small town and we have a little bookshop here. So I- That, it might be there. So instead of getting your books on Amazon, Tina, then try bookshop.org and then see if you can choose that bookstore and they'll get the, they'll get, even if they don't have it in stock, like they'll mail it actually from bookshop.org and then share the profit with, with your actual bookstore. So cool. Okay. Very good to know. I'm, I'm glad you uh, shared that with my listeners because that, I bet a lot of people here will appreciate that. Okay. Well, we will make sure all the links are in the show notes as always. This has been a 
total delight. I'm so glad we finally oh, got to connect. You. Yeah, and, this is a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you for all of your insight. I learned a lot, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna we're gonna see. We're gonna see if Tina can autojuvenate. All right. We got to get rid of the gel. She hasn't had plastic surgery, everybody. It's autojuvenation, not plastic surgery. I'll, gi- I'll give you all the credit. <laughs> okay, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for listening to the Dr. Tina Show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A and Dr. Tina 2.0, as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. If you're looking to take back your health, it's time for you to listen to the Real Foodology podcast. From the producer of The Dr. Tina Show comes one of Apple Podcasts' top 10 nutrition shows hosted by integrative nutritionist and real food activist Courtney Swan. The Real Foodology podcast is on a mission to change the way we eat. Courtney interviews doctors, food experts, health professionals, and nutrition pioneers to bring you the best info so you can thrive. Somewhere along the way, we lost sight of how impactful our food choices are. But it's never too late to start on the path of better health choices. You'd be so surprised how resilient our bodies are when we start taking care of them. Yes, it's overwhelming, but that's why Courtney's here to help. She breaks it down for you and makes the information more accessible so that you can make more informed decisions in the grocery aisle or restaurant. Listen to the Real Foodology podcast today on your favorite podcast app.